propaganda and to promote something is to influence a person to another set of beliefs that they don't usually have. I remember when I went to um, um, TAFE and I did, um, it, I suppose it was called the Train the Trainer course, but it's called something else now. The one that I was doing was something else. And um, the, the, the lecturer asked for definitions for leadership, what do you consider leadership was. And so we all had to sort of coin a, um, a definition, and I used the definition that I had, was familiar with that somebody else had coined, but I just put it down and put it in my own words. And part of it was to influence people towards beneficial outcomes or outcomes for their own good. And because I used the word to influence people, it was deemed to be the most horrendous definition. And he, he bunked me, debunked me through the whole class and shamed me in front of everybody because you should never influence anybody. And in the process, he was influencing the class to ostracize me because of my... So I just sat there and I thought, this, this guy's doing exactly what I said, but he's influencing to a different idea. We all influence. Advertising influences. I mean, the whole point of influencing, of advertising is to present something about a product and to let you know that this product will do something for you and for you to believe that it will and then for you to go and buy that product and to, to experience whether that what they were saying was true or not. Media propagates ideas all the time. It's propaganda. It will tell you about the Middle East crisis. It will tell you about what's happening in the, in the United States. It will tell you about what's happening around the world. But it's only telling you his, its version and its view. You don't know really whether you're getting a good, balanced view about what's going on. It's propagating ideas. It's, it's trying to influence you. And when it comes to election processes... They'll tell you lots and lots of things and promote ideas and they will try and sway the population so they can sway the vote, so they can get the people in power that they want to be in power. Influence, propaganda is used everywhere. It's used in religion. Religious systems use propaganda. We use propaganda. In fact, Jesus actually set it up. He said in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In the process of making disciples of all nations, you have to propagate or promote the gospel. You've got to convince people that the gospel, the good news message, is better than where they're living now. You, with the Holy Spirit, have got to talk with them and ask God to open their minds and open their hearts so that they can see the truth that you're presenting and that they will turn to God. That's propagating the gospel. That's pro propaganda. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and uh, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the teaching part, the education part, is all about propagating ideas and teaching you thought systems, teaching you how to think, teaching you that you can overcome anxiety if you take the word of God. That's a teaching process where you're learning something from the word of God. When you put it into practice, you discover something about the fact that the word of God works in your life and that it's able to do something in your life. And, and that's, you know, if I didn't say anything, if God didn't prompt Lily to, to do what she was doing, you know, she wouldn't have learned anything. She would still be where she was last week, this week. But because the Holy Spirit was all about promoting the truth for her and I spoke to the truth to her and she listened to the truth and was influenced toward the truth, she experienced something of God. So the question really isn't um, who is propagating an idea. The big question is this. 
is the influence toward truth or toward a lie. You can't help influencing someone. Parents will influence their children and you will want to do that well as they're growing up because if you don't influence them in the path of righteousness, they will probably run to the, the other side and the ones who are influencing them away from God will have victory over them. Influence is always going to be there. So, so first of all, get rid of this idea that Christians shouldn't influence people. Get comfortable with the idea that you're meant to move people from darkness into light by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the word of the word of the truth. The, th- the question is, isn't, should I influence? The question is, am I influencing towards the truth? That's the test. Now, I can stand up here and preach to you and I can jump up and down and get really emotional, but you should be thinking about what I'm saying. And if I'm saying to you something that is not according to the truth, then you'll be saying, Mark, you're influencing this church toward the wrong path. And you should challenge me and you should, you should take me down and beat me because that would be wrong. You see, most people in church just sit there and say, whatever he says, that's okay. No, wait a minute. I'm exercising influence. And if I'm exercising influence, you should be judging what I'm saying and judging it according to the word of God to see whether it is in the word of God. And if it's in the Word of God, you should say a hearty amen. And if it's not in the Word of God, you should say to me, come on, Mark, can I come aside? Can, can I talk to you? I, I just find it really difficult to understand what you're saying here. I've got a couple of questions for you. The question is not, am I influencing? The question is, am I influencing towards truth or towards a lie? Because influence is everywhere. You cannot escape it. It is always going to be there. So when we're talking about the motivation of truth and influencing people, this is where our dramatic presentation in the video is very powerful for us because the motivation is not being right over the other person who's wrong. And that's so, so horrible if you're in a situation, you want to talk about a situation or an issue or a doctrine with somebody and rather than being able to discuss it and to discuss the doctrine and the differences as friends, it becomes, I'm right and you're wrong. And that becomes extremely difficult because this tension's then in personality and it's like rejection's going to take place because I can't accept what you're saying. Rather than saying, here's an issue, we can't agree on the issue, and listen, we agree that the Word of God is true, but this is one of those issues that got different views, and I'm going to let you have your view, and you can have, let me have my view, and we'll be, ha- we'll be cool about that. We're not going to express right or wrong at this point of time. If there is a right, we'll talk about the right. If there is a wrong, we'll talk about the wrong. But it's not about finding if they're right and contesting with somebody to prove that they're wrong. It's not about winning an argument because you can win an argument and lose a friend. You can win an argument and lose a soul. You can win an argument and lose somebody. Even though you're right, you can lose them because the manner in which you do it is incorrect. And it's not about boasting about knowledge because as soon as you start to get some information under your belt, and, and Lily, if you, if you learned five scriptures this week and you learned five last week, that's ten you'll have under your belt on, on Sunday next week. And people are going to ask you now, because I said it, so that's sort of like a big motivation. She's got to do it. You know, but after you get ten scriptures under your belt, 
you learn something. This, is, this, is, this feels good. I feel like I have some power. I, my mind is switched on. And so in the following week, she might learn another five. And in the following week, she's set in a pattern in her life and she's learning 10. So over, over two, three, four weeks, she's learned now 20 passages of scripture, 20 scriptures she can quote just like that. 20 passages of scripture. Watch out for this girl when you get in a Bible study with her. Watch out because she'll just pull out scriptures. Bang, 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 bang. And pretty soon... She might be saying, don't mess with me because I'm a walking word. And we've got a problem there. Right there, we've got a problem because it's not about how much you know. It's how that changes your life and how it moves you towards other people so that you can share that wonderful truth towards other people. It's not about bragging about your knowledge. We all know that you're smarter than me. It's not about that. It's about taking what you learn, applying it in your life, and then humbly and meekly and gently communicating to others the things that you've learned through that process. And learning to influence people is not about controlling people. If I'm going to manipulate you and I'm going to control you now, I'm going to get you to... It's about bringing people to a place where they will yield their lives to walk into the truth. So these are the temptations and the abuses that are produced when we have the process of influence taking place in our lives. What is the truth? The Bible tells us the truth is eternal. So it existed before we did. You were born into this world and when you were born into this world... You were a little child and you squawked and you didn't know much. And as you experienced life, mostly at the beginning, you experienced life by putting things in your mouth. Put your hands in your mouth and you're like, I got hands. And you, like Adeline, puts dog food in her mouth and eats anything that's on the floor. If you put her on the floor and you watch her, she goes, if it's on the floor, it means it can be eaten. So she'll wander over there and she'll pick up the dog food and eat it. You pull it out of her mouth. You'll like, ah, a dead, a dead spider. Put it in her mouth and eat it. She just, Nathan would go and he would lick uh, ashtrays. <laughs> because he could. It was just the right height. The ashtrays were always there. They always had this stuff on the front of them. It was all, and then we would see he would lick it clean. So that was the age. You know, you always put something in your mouth. You know, you're always learning. So as you're growing up in life, you're learning, you're, you're drawing something. In fact, you're hardwired to receive information into your, from the world in which you live. And you're getting truths given to you. You're getting truths relayed to you. You're getting ideas relayed to you. That if you jump from a tall garage wall with wings on, you will not fly. You learn that gravity is a little bit greater than your understanding of aerodynamics. You're learning things all the time. Truth existed outside of you. Truth existed in eternity. You came, to the, you came to the show. You opened your eyes. Here you were. And you are about to experience truth. You're about to see the evidence of it. Feel the weight of it. You're about to discover things that you should learn not to do. You'll discover things that you should do, that you should keep on doing. And there's going to be people around you who already have been in the world a little bit longer than you who are going to communicate to you exactly what they think because they think they should be able to be able to protect you because they want to influence you towards that which is good. 
So truth is eternal. It existed before we came and after we go, we'll still exist. It's always there. It's evident too. That means it's made manifest. God makes it manifest. You can pick it up. You're hardwired to pick it up. So your eyes, your ears, your nose, your taste buds, your hands are all hardwired to encounter something outside of yourself and to evaluate what that is and to understand what that is. It's external to you. Truth is external to you. It comes in and truth is knowable. You can know it. You can experience it. You can say, there's the wall. I can see it with my eyes. I have known from very young that if I see something like that with my eyes, that it's there. I, 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 I'm not questioning the validity of its being there. This is not a trick. I know that if I trip now and fall forward like this and my head hits that, I know that that is going to hurt immensely because I know that is going to be solid. Now, when I'm looking at it, am I actually feeling the solidness of it? Am I actually... No, it's just in my mind. I get a picture in the reflection of my mind. I have a perception of what is true. The truth is there. But when I'm looking at it, I got a picture of what's there. So even though it corresponds to that, I'm not stupid. I know what is in here is equal to what's out there or nearly. Society want to tell you that that's not true. They want to tell you that there's no external test for things. Society will say that there's no object truth, that it's just here. And it can be whatever you want it to be. You might have been born like that. But if you want to change that and wear a dress, you can. Because it's what you determine it to be. It's not external to you. It's whatever you want it to be. So if I take your DNA and, it, and your chromosomes and it says XY, that doesn't matter. You can be an XX if you want. You say, how do they think that way? I'm telling you how they think that way. They have removed objectivity an objective truth from the equation. So anything is possible. And if you listen to it, that's being propagated over and over and over again in audiences where everybody claps because somebody says something so outlandish. And they say, oh, if you don't believe that, you hate people. You hate. No, this is, no, this is what I was telling you about. Truth is under attack. And you believe that it is how it is because God made it that way and he made it evident and he made it knowable. I mean, that's the very reason you don't close your eyes and walk across a train track when a train's coming. Because you know something which is outside yourself. And if you did philosophy, you'd understand what I'm saying and you'd understand the theories and they'd give them names. There's two basic theories that they assume, but we're not going to go there today. So humanity was created to be influenced. And we have seen the createdness, we have been created to fellowship with that which is true. Our senses and our mind work together to help us perceive what is true. We, 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 we take information in through the gates of our, 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 
it's processed in our minds. And when we look at the process, it's very technical. And even the scientists, the neurologists, can't work it all out. They know some things, but they don't know how it all works. It just is an amazing thing, the way we process it and we make sense of that which is outside of us and in our minds. It's just an amazing thing to watch. So truth is outside of us. And, and it's the Holy Spirit who helps us as we receive the information in to understand it and to believe. I've got a diagram I want you to look at. It kind of explains how it is. We start with the green circle. Truth, that which is true. And I want, this is outside of you. You are in the first blue circle at the top on the left-hand side. Truth, what is believed. You see, what happens is the message from truth from the outside of you is projected through into you by the, 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 the stuff that God has made for you to receive truth with, whether it's eyes, ears, hands, or you perceive it. And then you believe it. That belief process then is exercised into activity. You, you become to behave in a certain way. And that behavior produces a certain result, an outcome. The truth is presented and says, this is the outcome. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You say, I I hear the truth. I perceive the truth. I understand the truth. I therefore act on the truth. And then when I act on the truth, hey, listen, that anxiety went away. That's the process. Put in the green circle a product. Coca-Cola. Put in the blue circle... What they want you to believe, Coke adds life. Coke is life. Coke is fun. Coke is exciting. Well, you believe that, so you go and buy Coke. And then you come and discover that it doesn't give you life. It gives you rotten teeth. It doesn't give you everything that it's told it will give you. That's just a marketing ploy. But you forget it straight away and you don't actually, hey, wait a minute, it said it was this and... That's not the outcome. Well, it was taking you to a lie. It was selling you a lie and you acted on it because you believed it. And the outcome was different to what... You can always tell when a prophecy is correct because it comes to pass. So if the truth says, this is the truth, this is what we're prophesied. Believe the truth, the truth will send you. That's a prophecy. Jesus is saying a prophetic word. They believe the truth and you believed it, you acted on it, and then you experienced freedom. It was true. It was true. It worked. It was true. So, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 20, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That means they know they can see the truth there, but they're going to they're squash it down. They don't want to see it. They don't want to say that it's evident. They don't want to say that it's made manifest. They don't want to say that it's clearly seen. They want to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want what you, I, I, I'm not listening. I don't want to know what you're talking about. They are suppressing the truth. And God, when you suppress God's truth, God gets angry about that. He says, I'm trying to fix you up. I'm trying to do what's best for you. I'm trying to make your life. 
I've come with good news for you. And you keep on suppressing the truth. No wonder you're where you are. I mean, God is not grieved because you're not honoring him. And God is grieved because probably you're just making life really miserable for yourself. Because if you lifted the truth and believed the truth and did the truth, you would enter into fellowship with him and you'd discover how wonderful it really is. He says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. So the word of God says he's made truth evident. It's manifest, it's eternal, it's evident, and he's, it's knowable. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So right there we have a scripture that says, God has made it known to you. Jesus is the eternal truth. He is the center of the whole thing. He is now communicating to you what it's all about. If you receive him and you believe in him, in your minds and your hearts, Jesus is to be obeyed now in your behavior. So you decide to practice what he tells you to do and you're going to walk in relationship with him and do what he, your behavior changes. And then you discover freedom exists. Started outside of you, came into you, you practiced it. And it worked. The word of God is full of the truth of God's word. It is the truth of God's word. Jesus is the truth of God's word. And as you open yourself up to the truth of God's word and as as you open yourself up to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he will change the way you believe. He will change the way you view things. And as you obey him and as you walk with him and as you talk with him and you're led by the Holy Spirit, and that's not going to be comfortable. That's hard work and that's difficult because everybody else says, oh, you don't want to listen to that rubbish. That's church junk. You know, I don't want to go down that. You're a Christian boy. Oh, and they'll give you the stick because you love God. But it's evident. You know why you love God? Because you know that everything is here because of God. And you're not one of these who are going to work really hard to dismiss it and work really hard to fight and to find a reason why God isn't there. You're just going to be one of these who say, it's evident. Gravity is evident and God made it. He made the intelligent laws. He made my mind to think. He made my intelligence to reason. He made my eyes to see. To see what? To see that it is plainly before me. That's not hard for me to understand. He is not making it hard for me. He has made it very easy for me to know him. All I have to do is know him. But here's the lie. The lie comes, the thing that is untrue, and it presents itself to you out here, outside of yourself. That's the deception. And the whole point of the exercise is to make you believe it. So when you sit down and somebody starts questioning things and somebody start, and it's always outside of yourself, you may be, the devil is coming and he's whispering in your ear stuff. And he says, oh, it's lodging in there now because you're spiritually perceptive to, to what, it's, what it's saying. If somebody else says it to you, if you see it on a signboard, if you see it on a magazine, if you pick it up on the TV, if it's in the movie that you watched, if it's somebody else speaking to you, the deceptions are coming at you fast every day. The influences are there. And as the influences come, they're looking for you to believe the deception. And if you believe the deception, they're asking you to act accordingly. Because everybody wants you to act accordingly. The truth wants you to act accordingly so that you believe it and are free. The lie wants you to act accordingly so he can steal, kill and destroy from you as you act it out. 
And the end of that is death. So what does the word of God tell us about this? It tells us the truth is eternal. It existed before we did. It's evident. It's made manifest by God. And it's knowable. That means we can know the truth. It's not something that can't be grasped. It's something that can be grasped and understood. And I like what the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And we did this in our Bible study last week. He says, that which was from the beginning which we have heard. So he heard it. John heard it. Which we have seen with our eyes. So he picked it up with his eyes. Which we have looked at and our hands have touched. So he was one of the wonderful guys who was able to put his arm around Jesus and hold Jesus' arm and walk with Jesus and feed Jesus some bread and, and, and brush Jesus' hair. He was a guy who actually touched Jesus. He knew about God. He knew about Jesus because he fell in with his hands. And he touched the resurrected Lord as well as he touched the pre-resurrected Lord. He looked and he saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw that he was dead. His eyes saw all of it. It went into his head and he started a process. And now he comes up in First John, he says, the things that we have seen from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of God. What is he saying? We have encountered truth. And that encounter has changed us and we want to tell you about it. Profound. God is knowable. He's existent before we were born. He's evidently around us communicating, striving very difficult times to communicate to us. But communicating to us so that we can know him. The life appeared, he says. I like that. It appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us, Jesus, the eternal life that was with the Father, has been now made manifest and we beheld it with a house. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, we saw it, we experienced it, we're telling you about it so we can have communion with you just like we're having communion with God right now. Truth is knowable. Truth can be experienced. First, uh, in John chapter 1, 14, says, The Word became flesh. God's truth, God's knowledge, God's wisdom became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. There He is standing before us, Jesus. Evidently, we are watching him now as he acts with the woman caught in the act of adultery, watching him very clearly as he lives that truth out in front of us, as he displays the grace of God. We are seeing it expressed before it as he lays his hand on the sick and they're recovered, as he touches the leper and he's healed, as he opens blind eyes. We see the manifestation of God's light and life and love and healing power through Jesus. We hear his teaching. We understand from the Holy Spirit that this one has come from God to make God known to us so that we can see and encounter God. Truth is knowable. 
John chapter 1 verse 18 says, No eye has seen God, but the one and only Son who himself is God is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known to us. So Jesus was himself God and he comes and he makes God known to us. We want to look at a cross reference. The cross reference would be in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, where he talks about what God has done. He's spoken in times past to prophets, and these days he's spoken thus through his Son, and he tells us how much the Son is the radiant, shining, outpouring of God, who God is for us, so we can see God. And, and Jesus says to Philip, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know my, me and you know the Father. For the Father and I are one essence. So, you know, truth is a person who is knowable. Truth is the word of God which is knowable. Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Is no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And then that's when Philip says, well, show us the Father. And, and he says to Philip, he says, have I been with you all this time and you don't recognize me? See, oftentimes we see, but we don't know because we don't recognize that the truth is evident in front of us. Clearly see. Doesn't take a lot. Doesn't take a PhD in philosophy to discover the truth. A child can open its eyes one morning, look and see the sunshine on a daisy and say, God made beautiful flowers. And completely be in sync with the mind of God. Then the influence of Satan comes. Yeah, this is the lie. The lie that's untrue, that brings deception, that tries to give us a lifestyle that is practicing out the deception to produce death in our lives. In John chapter 8, verse 44, we read this verse before at the beginning. It says, the devil, he said he does not stand in the truth because he, there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks his, from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father's of lies. You live in a world where the devil is running rampage. Don't expect to have a free, free time here and think that it's okay. You're going to walk out from this place this afternoon and be hit by dozens of thoughts, dozens of ideas that will try and undermine the truth of God's word. You'll be having a dream and you'll be told that bad things are going to happen to you and you'll have fear fall into your heart and then fear will take root in your life. Bad things will happen to you. You'll think, see, it's right. Bad things just happened to me. And so you'll be bitter and say, God's not looking after me. And so bitterness will take a root in your life and you'll just believe that there's no way out and you just become bitter and angry and frustrated and have hatred in your life. Why? Well, the truth can set you free, but because you're believing a lie, no truth can get in there because you won't bring it to Jesus and cast your cares upon him for care and forgive those who hurt you, because you won't take the truth and live the truth, you're going to get bound up with lies. You're going to get wound up with sin. You're going to get wound up and you're going to fall and you're going to end up in death. Because it's the devil and his plan hardball. 
He doesn't want you to go to heaven. He hates you that much. He wants to take you to hell with him. And he's thrashing around because he knows the days are short. And he's working very hard to take you out. In Colossians, Paul in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 and in verse 18 and 19, he tells us he wants to see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. He's saying, watch the way you think, watch what you read, watch what you're putting into your mind. He says, because the devil's not going to let you go without trying to cause you to stumble. He says, you be very careful now that you don't adopt the wrong philosophy because if you adopt the wrong philosophy, that will start to work out your beliefs. You will begin to do those things and you will end up in death. He warns them, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up about idle notions. So he's saying people who, who say they're seeing things from God. Listen, you can have people who say, I have this vision and an angel came to me. And you want to just ask a question. If that angel that comes to that person starts telling them something that is different to what's in the word of God. You should be saying, wait a minute, that's evident you had something happen to you. It's evident that you saw something, but you know, is it evident that it's the truth? Remember, the influence one thing, but does it influence you towards truth or influence you towards a lie? Whatever is coming at you is going to influence you. It might look very good. An angel of light standing before you saying, oh, worship Mary, worship Mary. You're going to, you're going to believe that? Well, so I've never seen an angel before, and it was clearly an angel because it walked through the wall there. He walked back in again and said, worship angels, worship angels. And you can say, oh, well, that, I've never seen an angel like that before. Walk through a wall and tell me to worship Mary and then worship angels. I haven't seen that before. That's this, oh, it's true, it's true. Dummy, 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 dummy. Even if he stands, there's an angel alive in front of you that doesn't agree with the word of God, just tuck it out. Don't, don't believe it. He's trying to pray for your soul. The word of God is evident. It tells you don't worship anybody but God and him alone. So you don't worship people, you don't worship angels, you worship God. It doesn't matter what is evident in front of your eyes, you judge it with the word of God. You sit and you say, is this leading me towards truth or is it leading me towards a lie? Which means you have to know the Bible. Which means you have to get up in the morning and open your eyes, open your ears and put it in because it's not going to go there without you. It means you're going to have to open it up and say, that's a good one to learn. I'm, going to, I'm not going to let Lily learn five scriptures and then another five scriptures and me learn nothing. I'm going to try and catch up with Lily. I want to have 10 scriptures under my belt next Sunday before. So I've got 10 scriptures like Lily's got 10 scriptures. I'm going to desire us. If Lily can do it and she's a teenager and she's doing school, why can't I do that? She must have found some time somewhere, Lily. You're a busy girl. When did you do it? Before you went to bed. And God just made her mind just very exceptionally wise because when you put something in before you go to bed, you probably spend most of the night thinking about it in your dream time. Somewhere along it's going through. And when you wake up, it's on your lips. It's on your lips. Something you can speak. Anybody here don't go to bed at night? So you all got that. You, yeah, some of you are weird, I know. 
all of you got a bedtime. Lily's found that just before she goes to sleep, she can put something in there. I, I'm a morning person. I don't do anything before I go to bed. I just go there. Oh, my out to the count. You ask Jenny. I'm a morning person. One o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I'm up and I'm looking in there and I'm just feeding it in. You might be like me. The question is, if you want to have truth and you want to protect yourself, you know, you have to put it in. You have to be able to look at it. He said, do not let anybody who delights in false humility and all these things, he says, don't let them, let, don't let them convince you, he says. And he talks about them. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together with its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes the growth. People can lose connection with the head. When you take your eyes out of the word of God and start thinking things through without the word of God, you are losing connection to the head. Who is the head? Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. Second John chapter 9 and 10, oh sorry, Second John verse 9 and 10. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So here's the, ch- here's the challenge. The challenge is, yes, everybody's trying to influence you. Truth is evident, but you must stay in the truth. Don't run ahead of the truth. Don't go, well, I know the Bible doesn't talk about that, but God gave me this revelation. I mean, I got in prayer and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he gave me this revelation. I know it's not what the Bible says, but I heard God clearly tell me. He's saying, you're running ahead. You're running ahead. What God will say will be in the Word of God. It won't be outside of the Word of God. That's where our false cults come from. They went into a cave and some angel come and talked to them and gave them gold tablets and then they said, come out and you're a Mormon. <laughs> you can have many wives. Oh, that sounds good. You have to wear funny underwear though. Oh, you don't know about Mormon. We, you might touch that in apologetics. Oh, you know, Islam, you know. We go into a desert and we'll have fasting and praying in the desert and go into a cave somewhere and, uh, and an angel will come down and give you a gold thing and you can look at him, man. It sounds very much like the Bible. It's got some of the Bible on it, but other things as well, you know. We put it all together. We've got to change a bit of it as we go along. But it sounds good, and if you don't like it, I'll kill you. Lost connection with the head. Running ahead. You don't want to run ahead. You want to stay in the middle of it. You want to stay straight in the middle of what God is saying. Don't run ahead. Don't... If you don't continue in the teaching of Christ, you think you've got more wisdom than God, you're silly. This is nonsense. Nobody has more wisdom than God. Hang in the word of God. There's so much there. You'll never come to the end of it. If you keep on reading it to the day you die, you will never come to the end of the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength that's in the word of God. It is enough for all of your life and for all eternity because it's outside of eternity. It comes from eternity. It comes from God himself. Everyone, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or even welcome him. Saying, don't mess with them in terms of trying to agree with them. Convince them that they've missed the boat with regard to what God is saying. Why? Because it's evident. It's in his word. The eternal truth of Jesus is right there. We can believe it. Our minds are set on it. Our behavior is changed by it. And it gives us life. It's there. 
John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, where we start, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In verse John chapter 2, verse 24 says, See that you, what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Make sure that it remains in you. Why? Why do we have to make sure? Jesse, because someone's going to try and convince you otherwise. Someone is going to try and convince you otherwise, Misha. Someone is going to come into your head and come into your mind and try and convince you otherwise, James, that God is not what he says he is and can't do what he says he does. And they're going to laugh in your face and it will hurt if you really care about that person. It will hurt if you care about them and they say, you guys are just over the top. You guys ought to let go of some of that rubbish. Science tells us something different these days. Science has got different ideas these days. You want to listen to the scientific fact and not just believe the world. It says, see to it that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Turn to the person beside you and say, make sure it remains in you. Second Timothy 3.14 says, continue on what you have learned and have become convinced of. Second Timothy 1.13 says, what you have heard from me keep as a sound pattern of teaching. And Second Thessalonians chapter 2.15 says, stand firm and hold to the teachings that we passed on to you. Everywhere in the word of God it says, hang on, stay there, don't move. Stay with the teaching. Stay in the word. Stay with it. Don't give it up. If somebody denies it, look at them and say, it's not evident to them yet, Lord. I hear what they're saying. Show me where it's wrong and help me to talk to them so they can get back to the truth. But do not give away your truth because your truth will set you free. Beware of the demonic lie that says it's impossible to know the truth. You know Jesus. You know him. You hear him. The risen Lord lives with you. He talks to you. He walks with you. He challenges you. He convicts you. He, he, he charges you up. He makes you feel sad sometimes. and makes you feel glad sometimes. But you know him. He's outside and he's inside. He's everywhere and he's communicating to him. You know the truth. And the truth has set you free. Thank you, Jesus. There is a tack on truth. Not just the ideas that we have, but on truth itself. Let's pray. Father, we want to be motivated by you to love the truth. Your word tells us that there's deceptions that are coming that are so powerful. And Father, it even tells us that you send the deceptions. They're so powerful, Lord, that that even the elect will struggle with them. Well, we know that these are the last days. And in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, but they will not be lovers of the truth, Father. They will despise the truth. They will deny the truth. They will do all that they can do to undermine the truth. And Father, we ask you right now to protect us in the truth, that we would know you, Lord Jesus, personally in such a way that 
the conscience in our hearts would be so charged with you, we'd have the spirit of the truth within us that we would know the truth, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that you'll give us hearts and lives that are so desirous to know you better, Father, that we apply ourselves into the word of God to read and to understand and to practice those precepts that you've given to us. Father, keep your hand upon us, Father. And those that have been sidetracked, Father, in this place, those that have, who know people in their family who have been sidetracked, those people in their family that maybe have not accepted the truth as yet, Father, we pray as a congregation that your truth would shine into their lives, that the light of the gospel of Jesus would shine so powerfully into them that the chains and the shackles and the blindfolds of the devil would fall off, Father, and that life would come to these souls, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.